tradies um, really aren't available until February, March. So anyway, just the way the cookie crumbles, yeah. I love the hot weather, as long as the air conditioning's on full blast. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you've got to speak to our, our sons in our home. There's a, a split system in the main sort of um, family room come, you know, uh, eating area. Uh, but in the front room, there's a portable that's plugged in. I would sleep in front of it if I could. Every time I walk out of the room, one of them gets turned off. I know, right? You, you, uh, there's a gremlin in the house. <laughs> like, I've got to chase it down. Um, Samuel and I were sitting down, I think it was last night, to have dinner. And as we're sitting down to have dinner, I'm like, I'm really, I'm, I'm warm. I'm getting, why am I so stuffy? <laughs> Someone had switched off the split system again <sighs> but that's okay we give grace and we love don't we hey even those that don't like air conditioning and cooling where they should <laughs> anyone been in a car and you put the air con on for those that aren't sure i'm going to explain to you how it works on a hot day when you open the window it's not fresh air that you're letting in it's hot muggy yucky humid air yeah you have to keep the windows up for the aircon to work. So everyone realizes how that works, yeah? Just checking, because I'm happy to run an air conditioning class for all the ladies. I mean, anybody that's unsure on how it works. Anyway, um, thanks for your prayers. Uh, last week, as you know, as a family, we were away because we were a close contact of a close contact. Um, my daughter, Faith, um, who lives miles away in Wallen, um, has COVID, though she has been unwell. She has a, a slightly compromised immune system because of past illness but um, she is now pretty much at the end of that she's starting to feel better still has some symptoms so um, I Mel and I actually think she needs the rest and staying at home longer faith is probably good for you so <laughs> um, thank you for praying for her all at the same time uh, what a season hey you get a rest when you don't want it get you don't get holidays when you need them you get them when you've got other stuff planned and anyway this is life we're going to jump into the Word. Um, I want to continue where I, was, where I have been talking about. I've talked about having a new beginning. Um, a couple of weeks back, I talked about sustaining that new beginning. And today, moving into 2022, I want to press on that a little bit. And it may be challenging to a degree because I want to talk about the price. You know, being a church that talks about our identity as sons and daughters of God, being a church that talks about uh, the grace of God and how God didn't come to deal with the wicked and deal with sin. What he came to do was restore relationship. Yeah, the narrative is really important. He came to restore the relationship and in that he dealt with sin. It was love that motivated him first, not his frustration and anger over sin. Yeah, he didn't come to deal with sin and the byproduct was a relationship. Relationship was first. Sometimes in all of that, when we speak about God's love and grace and mercy in that, we forget sometimes the price that's paid the bible talks about the cost of following jesus yeah there is still a requirement on us not to be saved but just in life in general there are decisions that we make across the board that sometimes cost us something and i think in a christian world that needs to stand there are times we need to remember that part of the message we need to remember that we are you know onward christian soldiers yeah that we are in a battle but that's where I want to go. Let's see how we go. Mark 1. We're going to read from... Um, I've been running through the, um, 
chapter 1 of Mark. So I'm going to jump on verse 14. And we're going to run through a couple of things and just see how we go. Is that okay? So, good. Um, the clock's already started. I've lost a minute and a half. I'll read really quick. <laughs> verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. That, that call is for everyone. I'm just putting it out there. When he says, come, follow me, and I'll, I will send you out to fish for people, this is for every single one of us. It continues, at once they left their nets and followed him. From the outset of Mark, yeah, he doesn't mince any words, there's a price that these guys needed to pay. And they left their nets. They left their workplaces. They left their income. They followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired men and followed him. Amen. Father, bless this word. Give us courage. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Father, make us more like Jesus. May we truly be the good news to those, Father, that need it. May people discover Jesus through us. And Lord God, I just pray that you would speak through us and to us this morning in Jesus' name. I think it's fair to say that everybody here enjoys getting good news, yeah? I don't think anybody likes bad news. We pretty much lean towards good news. And now we're reading Mark, and, and, and Mark, it's, it's awesome because it's not like the other Gospels. You know, I shared a couple of weeks ago, the other Gospels get into the nativity scene and all that sort of stuff. But for Mark, he, he gets straight to the point. The 30 years of Jesus' life is as if they don't exist. He jumps straight into when Jesus' ministry starts. And what we have to notice right from the beginning, that in the midst of good news, because it says the kingdom of God is, has come near, Right, right from the outset, it's, it's giving us the good news. Right in the middle of that, there's bad news. Because when we began the reading, that particular verse says, John the Baptist is in prison. So you've got John the Baptist is in prison and Jesus is proclaiming good news. You've got bad news and good news together straight away. And, and I said a couple of weeks ago, just because we go through stuff in our life doesn't mean there's an absence of God. Yeah? Jesus was in the desert with the devil at the same time. You know, struggles and difficulties doesn't mean that God is absent from our lives. And it's evident even here that we've got good news and bad news together. But what it shows us is that there's a price, there's a price to be paid for any new beginning that you and I want. There's a price to be paid. So for us to have a new beginning, to sustain a new beginning, to actually allow God to finish the work that he wants to do in us for that new beginning, you and I, for those that are listening at home, we have to be willing to pay the price for that new beginning, for the new beginning in your life. If we jump to verse 14, you know, where we start, it says, John's in prison, Jesus goes into Galilee proclaiming the good news. So there's a mixture of that good and bad, okay? That's exceptionally clear. John, a prophet of God, is in prison, yet at the same time, Jesus isn't discouraged, is the really important thing. He's proclaiming the good news. So often when we get bad news, we can become discouraged. And we become discouraged in our faith. But Jesus wasn't discouraged. He actually instead kept sharing the good news. Yeah, it, There's a mixture of good and not so good all the time. That's being a Christian. We have the good news, yet we live in a world that 
Sometimes it's bad news culture. Yeah, it's just the way life is. It, life plays out that way. We've got good news, but we live in this life that's not always perfect. You know? Anyone here have a perfect life? Well, you know, sometimes life can seem perfect, but over the scheme of things, it generally is. But if we have a look at our lives as perfect as they are, as wonderful as we've become, it's the ebbs and flows of our life that have brought us to that place. I wasn't a great dad, I'm a better dad. I was, you know, like we've learnt. We've learnt everything across our lifetime. And that can be challenging. It's challenging to keep our faith above water when life is a struggle. It's challenging to keep, you know, our faith when things aren't going well. Because you would just assume now that I've given my heart to Jesus, then everything would be right, everything would be perfect. He, he would take care of everything. And he does take care of it, but often not the way that we expect. Just like when he appeared for the first time, you know, the Jews were expecting some soldier to wipe out the Romans. He came to do exactly what he needed to do, but he didn't come as they expected. And sometimes our expectations may be a bit skewiffy, you know, because he gives us peace when there, there is no peace. You know, we don't mourn like those who mourn who have no hope. We have a hope regardless of what we're, we're going through. You know, we're, we are a good news people. You know, the good news is that... It, it, actually, the, the phrase good news is the Greek word. I can never pronounce it, but it's euangelion, something like that, right? And it's where we get the word evangelical from. That, that's actually a good word. But what happens is we've got an enemy that wants to discredit anything that has got to do with good news. You know, He wants to discredit the gospel. If you are a Christian, you're a believer, you're part of the gospel, you're a good news people, the enemy wants to discredit you. He is always looking to discredit anything that's got to do with good news. And, and, and sometimes for you and I, it, it seems like, our voice, when we speak up or share our thoughts, our opinions, you know, our beliefs that we, we, we're, we're kicking against the goads, you know, like we're going against the culture of the day. It feels like what I believe doesn't fit with what's happening in the world around me. Anyone ever felt that, experienced that? It, it, it just seems to be the, the way that it is. And you've got this enemy that does that on purpose. I mean, one of, one of the things that he does, you, you think about it, he, he wants to discredit the gospel. He wants to discredit good news. He wants to discredit good news people, Christians. He wants to discredit marriage. Have you ever wondered why the enemy wants to discredit marriage? Do you know in the Bible, it talks about you and I as a picture yeah, it, it talks about us as a building, it talks about us as a temple, it talks about us as a body, but the only relationship that the Bible talks about, yeah, the only human relationship that helps us understand Jesus and his relationship with us is not the picture of a temple or the body or, or, or the church or anything like that, but it's marriage. That is the only human relationship the Bible talks about that can help us understand the relationship that we have with Jesus. And so the enemy, even there, the enemy wants to discredit that. And the devil's always trying to take away the best intention that God had. You know, Psalm 8.5 says, You have made them, talking about us, a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. So the Bible here, it's like we're almost there. We're, we're, we're almost like the angels because as... As human beings, we're almost there. And then God does this thing. He gives us this Holy Spirit that's within us. And now we get an idea of what it's like yeah, to be a son and daughter of God spiritually. 
We have this divine spark that lives within us, yet the devil's always trying to take that spark away. He's always trying to diminish that. He's always trying to discredit that. And think about it. What's the narrative of the world today? We're all like animals. We're just animals. I'm glad for all those that believe you came from a monkey. That's great. I didn't come from a monkey. I was created in the image of God. Yeah. For me, I was created in the image of God. Yet the world around us, when we say that, it's like, oh no, science can prove. Well, actually, there's also scientists that will prove the other side. There's always two sides to a coin. Yeah? As Christians, we believe that Father God made us and that Jesus came to redeem us and that we're his sons and daughters. I certainly don't run and think, even on my worst day, don't smell like an animal. <laughs> Don't say anything, Mel, at all. The first thing we've got to notice from Mark, from chapter 1, verse 14 on, is that there's a price for bringing good news to hurting people. There's a price. John pays a price for bringing good news to a hurting world. There's a price for a new beginning. There's a price to be paid. There's a price whenever we proclaim and share the good news. You Think about, about it like this. I've failed many times, but you know when you start a diet, you start a diet, you make a decision that you, you know, you're not going to eat or what you're not going to eat, um, how many times you're going to eat, all that sort of jazz. And once you're a couple of days, even a week or two weeks into it, to a degree, your stomach is supposed to shrink and you're less hungry, but really deep down inside, you're starving. Because every time you open the fridge, you see all the stuff that you want to eat that you can't eat. And it's right there, right at that point, you have to decide, do I want that food or do I want to follow through on the commitment that I have made to myself? Because we have to be willing to pay a price, yeah? Yeah? If we want to make progress. That's no different to other areas of our life. It's the same in the financial area of our life, relational area in our marriage. It's really good to invest in your marriage and your relationships, isn't it? It's, it's the same in our spiritual life. We have to be willing to pay the price to grow spiritually. You and I have to be willing. So when we move into now 2022, if, you, if you're not willing to pay the price and you're happy with your 2021 faith and your 2020 faith, that's great. But the sad part is that in God, there's always more if you create the white space. There's always more to learn. You've got all of him, but we've not experienced all of him. It's such, such a conundrum. It's like the TARDIS in Doctor Who, for those that are old enough to remember. You know, it looks like a little square box, but you walk in and it's just huge. It's four-dimensional. That's God's, that's God's relationship with us. We have got all of him. But if, if we are willing to pay the price to keep stepping in and stepping in and stepping in, it actually keeps opening up and opening up and opening up. There's always a price to be paid. But let's face it, particularly with my son Nathan, you know, like we're in a McDonald's, Hungry Jack's type culture, and we expect stuff to come really easy. If Nathan had to cook his own food, he would rather get me to drive somewhere to buy it because it's easier than him getting up to cook it. Do you get that? Like, I've got to drive. I've got to get off the couch. I've got to find my keys, get in the car that's hot, turn the aircon on that's not going to work for 10 minutes because the car's already at 40 degrees, drive all the way to Macca's or Hungry Jack's, pay for food that he wants, drive it back, and while it's lukewarm, he's eating, forgets to say thank you, then I get to sit down in my sweat just as my car cooled down because that's easier than him just getting up and walking to the fridge. Most people today really expect stuff to come easy. 
The only thing that's come easy for you and I is our salvation, is the gift of grace. God gives it to us. We don't do anything for it. It's an awesome gift. But you and I, for those listening at home, we should know that it actually still needs an effort on our part for our devotions with God, yeah? our prayer time with God. Not because they're hard, because it just requires a commitment like a diet. Will I or won't I do it? Our commitment to service, serving the house, serving people. It's a decision. It's a choice. It requires an effort. You know, I, I, I have to say from the outset to those last week that stepped up, the worship team were phenomenal because I rang them and gave them the option, listen, we're a close contact of a close contact. To be safe, we're going to stay home. Um, we're quite happy just to tell people have the Sunday off unless you want to still come to church. Oh, no, 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 we want to come and worship. Are you sure? Yes, please. Stephen O'Day. Thank you, Stephen O'Day. He goes, I'll do a communion message. Stephen, are you sure? Yes, Andrew, I know to keep it short. Yes, yes, I'll do it. Right? Sunday morning, I reckon it was 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. Ross Morgan, thank you, Ross, um, who happens to be away with his wife, Ali, on their 32nd wedding anniversary. If you're wondering where he is, Ross rings and goes, listen, I've got a message, that, just something that I've been sitting on that I can share. It's not long. I actually said to him, listen, leave it. Don't worry. Let it germinate. Let it grow. Build it up and flesh it out into a full sermon. He goes, no, I reckon it's good the way it is. If you trust me, I'm happy to go. Man, go for it. All of that to say, for everyone that serves in the house, thank you. Thank you. For everyone that makes an effort here at Family Life Church, thank you. Whether it's cleaning the gutters, whether it's vacuuming the carpet, whether it's singing on stage, green, thank you. Yeah, because it requires all of us to make that effort. It's a, there's a price to have family, even in the house of God. Yeah. So he, we got John, and, and, and there's a price because he's speaking on repentance. And, and more and more these days in this season, the church seems to be speaking into a world that's countercultural. You know, we just, we just do. There's a price to pay. There's a, there was a price for John talking about sin, you know, talking about sin as sin. No one wants to talk about sin. For John, he paid the price that was prison and ultimately death. You know, I'd suggest that if you speak to many missionaries today, that as they share the same gospel story of hope that involves sin, sin, when I say sin, I mean the stuff that separates you from God. There's something that separates you from God. So he wants to bring you back unto himself so you can be in family. And when he does that, he's going to deal with sin. Just to talk about that stuff, they can be in prison. They can be killed. And they are around the world still today for that same message. Even though our salvation is free, it still requires a price to be paid on our part. But how much are you and I willing to pay in 2022 for our faith, for our new beginning, wherever it is that God's talking to you? You know, John kept preaching until he couldn't preach anymore. And there was a price that he had to pay. And, and the funny thing is, he gets put into prison. Jesus gets up to proclaim the good news and his message is the same. Repent. Turn away. Come back to God. He actually preaches the same message. It's like, dude, didn't you see your cousin? He's in prison. Don't be stupid. Like we would say, you know, twice, twice, uh, what is it, twice bitten, one shy? Well, if I see that, I'm not going to do the same thing. That's ridiculous. Jesus steps up to the plate and preaches the same message. You know, we're in a world today where spirituality can be really cool. 
But, but the danger for you and I today is when we try to invent a new religion or we try to get our faith to fit into the culture of the world. Our faith, I'm telling you, you've got to hear it, it will never fit into the culture of the world. It's, and it's not even worth arguing or debating, just love on people anyway. Yeah? But we, we've got a whole bunch of people these days that would much rather talk about, you're going to love it, they would much rather talk about the inerrancy of the Bible. The Bible's not accurate. They're theological scholars. Yeah, but where are the spiritual men and women? They're theological scholars. And they can tell you the parts of the Bible aren't exact. They aren't right. You know why? Because it doesn't fit into their culture. It doesn't fit into the way they see the world. So there's inerrancy in the Bible. For what was once canon, this is like, this is it. If the Holy Spirit talks about anything that contradicts this, don't listen. I would still say that today because I think the Holy Spirit speaks about Jesus, points to Jesus. I think the Holy Spirit highlights everything here. And anything that the Holy Spirit does that's over and outside the pages of this book, which he does often, still confirms what's in the book. Yet there are people that will say, oh, no, the inerrancy. And they lead churches. <laughs> Man, that, that, oh, breathe. That I can't know. If Jesus came to die, yet the whole world was going to heaven, what a waste of a death. If he came to die, but people were going to heaven anyway, you shouldn't have done it. God, you should have come up with another plan. There was a reason he died on a cross because the price, a very heavy price had to be paid for people that would make a decision, would then live in the prosperity of that decision. Yeah? Man, there's a reason he died. And there's a joy, though there's a price, there's a joy in preaching the gospel. Because for anyone that's ever shared the gospel, there's nothing like when your friends and family come to faith. Everyone, any, Ever had that happen and someone, all of a sudden, they're on the journey, they're saying yes to Jesus, they're listening to you, they want to come to Bible study or church and you know, they've, all of a sudden they've got this faith. Oh, can you marry me? You don't even believe. No, since, you know, since we've been talking, I've, I want to bring God into the family. Can we do something for my kids? Can we dedicate our kids? But well, you don't even believe. Oh no, actually we want to bring God. When stuff like that happens, there's no greater joy in all the world. They're, they're really, really isn't but find where I'm up to <laughs> I'll probably get off my hobby horse at the same time the second thing second price that has to be paid John paid a price for speaking repentance but there's a price in repenting for you and I there's a price in repentance if you want a new beginning you learn from the past you know repentance is about seeing what what was and saying i don't want to do it again you got a failed business don't start your next business the same that would be stupid wouldn't it yeah like it would be hello you're starting the second third fourth business the same as the first second third that died that's stupid so maybe repent of that turn around and run your business differently that's how it, repentance works in life yeah but there's a price in repentance. In Luke, in chapter 3, verse 11 to 14, it reads, John spoke to the people about repentance. And it says, John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. So what, so what John's saying straight... Uh, what, what he's saying here, John's saying, what Luke's trying to share with us, is if you've got two shirts, you should share one of them. <laughs> it's much easier today because we've got lots of shirts and lots of pants 
and lots of underwear. You probably don't share those unless they've not been worn. You know, all of that stuff, lots of shoes and runners. And, and, but back then, they didn't have a lot of stuff. And he, so he's saying, share 50% of your repentance, uh, of your possessions, because repentance gets right into the heart of who we are and who we're living for. There's a sense that when you actually have legitimately repented in your heart, that, that it's not about us anymore, that it's about the kingdom of God and God's got it. I trust him. Now, you and I have to be willing to even share our shirt in the kingdom of God. I need a drink. I'm losing my voice. I shouldn't have made that joke before, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan often during practice says, I won't sing the whole song through saving my voice for worship so I don't lose it. And as a joke, I said, yeah, I'm not saying hello to people so I can save my voice. Maybe I shouldn't have said hello to people. <laughs> John's saying, if you've got two of anything, give the best one away. Like give the, this is repentance. This is just talking about repentance. When you repent, this is, this is what happens. It affects every single part of us. So we're not possessive with the things we have, but we have a, a, a sense inside of us that says, I'm okay, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. So whatever happens, yeah? Verse 12 reads, even tax collectors came to be baptized. This is the cost of repenting. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required, he told them. They lived for that commission. Now, commission then isn't like commission now. Like commission now, if you reach your budget, you get 15% you know, of whatever you're over your budget. It's all legitimate. But back then, what commission was then? You owed $100, so I'm asking you for $120. You had no choice but to give me $120, and that $20 was my commission. And now, as they repent, Jesus says, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to. Man, that, that cuts to the heart. That's humbling. Like, that goes straight to the core. The word repentance challenges every single part of our lives. Every part of our lives. The truth is, there's nothing hidden from Father God's view, and simply He wants every part of you and I to be surrendered to him. There's a cost. But it's a joy. Oh, if you could only... There's a joyous cost to pay with Jesus. You know, there's a, the lyrics of a song I love by Kim Walker Smith called Insatiable. Yeah, like a, it's just a lovely song. But it, this is about God. This is how much he wants you. This is how much he wants you surrendered to him. The, the words of her song go, Jealous for my attention longing for my affection you call me beloved <laughs> keep it together you call me friend you never stop pursuing craving for communion you call me beloved you call me friend i couldn't dare imagine the depths of your devotion wilder than the oceans insatiable you'll never stop until you have it all what is it that he wants that he'll never stop your heart, your heart, there's a, <laughs> there's a price for a new beginning. He'll never stop until he has it all. And then she sings the words, you can have it all, my heart and soul. There's a price to pay to walk with Jesus. Yeah. 
There's a price to pay. He wants every part of us to be surrendered to him. Verse 14 says, still on repentance. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't exhort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. In other words, trust God and do what's right. Don't do it the way that you've been doing it. It was a price for them in their repentance. So John paid a price to preach it. They're paying a price to actually step into it. Jesus just wants every one of us to live for him. He wants us to live for him un totally unselfishly. Yeah? But it, it, sometimes there can be stuff that stands between you and I and our relationship with God. You and I and our relationship with Jesus. And I don't know what he'll say to you. I don't know what he'll ask of you. I don't know what new beginning he has for you. I can only know that for me. But when you hear him, when we hear him, are we actually ready to surrender? Are we ready to surrender? So not only is repentance costly, but it, it can cost the life of someone too. It costs the life of that prophet John. Genesis 1.27 reads, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. That's the foundation of truth behind the message that John was preaching that got him killed. You know, He was talking about moral, spiritual, sexual purity. And John's message was unpopular in that day. And so they, they disliked him and they imprisoned him. You know, I wonder what it was like for John in prison. He's in prison one minute for sharing what he believes is the truth of God out of Levit Leviticus 18. The next thing, like he didn't get notice. It wasn't like in six months. There's a knock on his jail cell. There's a key that's opening. He's being dragged out. And before you know it, his head's on a platter being taken out to be shown to people. I wonder what those moments of quiet were like for him. I wonder what that price was like that he paid to share the good news of the gospel to a world that was contrary, countercultural to the message that God was bringing. You know, have you ever wondered, do you know, I asked Mel this question, so we're having a discussion, do you know why we celebrate Valentine's Day? <laughs> it's because Valentine was arguing the, the same sexual purity, moral purity, the same Christian marriage stuff that John was. And just like John, Valentine was imprisoned and killed. You know, those lonely moments for John the Baptist are the price of truth. His vocal cords are cut. The voice of the wilderness is gone. Yeah, It's silent. His mind can't think anymore. It's been severed from his neck. <laughs> but his spirit goes on to everlasting life. You know, he said that someone's marriage wasn't a true marriage. That's all he said. I don't know if he said it pretty. Or I don't know if he said it unkindly. The Bible doesn't tell us that. All we know is that he said it. He spoke the truth that Father gave him. In fact, in Mark chapter 6, verse 17 to 25, just gives you a picture. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested and had him bound and put in prison. He did this because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married, for John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. That truth <laughs> was enough to get him killed. And all he was doing was quoting Leviticus. You know, 
The word of God doesn't change. So John was preaching Leviticus 18 as the truth of the word of God. He, he was saying it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And so it says in verse 19, So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and the dinner, and the dinner guests. And it's after this point that the king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. Can I tell you, that wasn't an interpretive dance. Yeah? Let me paint the picture here. This wasn't an interpretive dance on a church stage. It wasn't the waltz. She was probably doing a version of their timelines pole dancing. Seriously. That so impressed the king with his second mind that he said, I'll give you whatever you want. Off come John's head. Some dance. <laughs> and John was beheaded. Do you know it's a responsibility our responsibility is the church of Jesus to be holy before the Lord. It's our responsibility. Our salvation's free by grace. Amen for that. But it's our responsibility to be holy before the Lord. We, you and I, we need to watch what we see, watch how we live, watch how we talk. We have to protect one another. And it's going to be different for every one of us. I've said that before. But we have to be led by Holy Spirit. Because there has to be holiness in the Father's family, yeah? If there's not, I guess at least we know we can repent. We can go to the Father, we can say sorry, we can refocus, we can realign. Because he never walks away from us, he never leaves us or forsakes us. You know, Matthew Henry said, The silencing of Christ's ministers shall not be the suppressing of Christ's gospel. If some be laid aside, others shall be raised up, perhaps mightier than they, to carry on the same work. And though John the Baptist goes to prison, though he's brutally killed, yet all the while he was decreasing, Jesus was increasing. Yeah? I love that. You know, we, you and I have to remember, we don't find the love of God by not repenting of sins the stuff that separates us from god we're no longer let's put it straight we're no longer sinners we're sons and daughters yeah saved by his grace now walking and seated in heavenly places but we still live in a fallen flesh that has the propensity to do if you don't like the word sin change it for this phrase we still have the propensity to do stuff that separates us from god yeah because it's in our flesh. But the more we walk with him, the more we dive into him, the more our inner man has now control over what our outer man would like to do. Because we're forever fighting with that temptation. Actually, Mel and I have got a really good show that we, we've enjoyed watching of late, Superman and Lois. I don't know if you, you've watched it, but it's really good. And Superman shares with his sons, because it's a really cool you know, look at what Superman would be like with teenage sons. And he shares with his sons this thought. And he says, you know that, that struggle that you have when you're angry and you want to let loose and, you know, and that's when the, you, you've accidentally hurt people? He goes, I struggle with that every day. But every day I make a decision 
to earn that trust. Every day I make a decision not to let that get on top of me. And you and I as Christians, just because we're believers doesn't mean all of a sudden we live holy lives. We are holy, amen, yes. But we still have the propensity to do things that will eventually over time separate us from God. Every day we make a decision. Every day, as my wife would say, you can decide whether you want to yell at the kids or speak to them. Every day, you know, every day you can decide whether you're going to eat that chocolate or not eat it. We have a decision. What are we willing to pay? You know, Jesus calls his disciples together early in Mark when he says the time has come. It's almost like he's circling them up. He's saying the time has come. The kingdom of news has come near, uh, of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He's like he's saying, get ready, guys. Come to me, get ready, because you're going to have to be ready to pay the price. You know, RT France actually say, calls those verses the formation of the, of the Jesus circle, because he, he's calling his disciples together when he says, the time has come. So the first words are, are like human history is being changed today. That's what he's saying. The time has come. It makes you want to ask, so what's going to happen next? If, if Jesus is going to send, like, is he going to send a million troops out to Israel to defeat the king? What's he going to do? Is he assembling a nation? Like what? The time has come. Well, what is it, God? What, what is it that you're doing? And then in the next verse, verse 16, it reads, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. This is so good, because the kingdom now explodes into the world, and it starts with this solitary spark of inviting someone. That's it. A spark of inviting someone. Repentance and inviting someone. You know, you and I, we can't despise the days of small beginnings. There's huge changes taking place right, right here and, 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 and right now. And we have to be ready for it. Like you and I, totally out of time, nine minutes, nine seconds over. I want to see if I can summarize everything that I've been saying. R.T. France has another quote. and He says, The kingdom of God comes not with fanfare, but with a gradual gathering of a group of socially insignificant people. Hello, socially insignificant people, right? In an unnoticed corner of provincial Galilee. The kingdom of God comes not with fanfare, but through something like this. Yeah? This is the mustard seed. This is the great move of the gospel when people come together. You know, the way it works... Now, <laughs> until Gethsemane and all the way through the Bible and the way Jesus did it with his disciples, is Jesus did it with his disciples. We do life together. We disciple one another as we actually do life together. You know, Jesus' plan was never for him to be the center of attention, but for, for the word of God to work through his people, through us, through believers, and that would touch and reach others all around them. You know, this word discipleship, it's not a program, but it's, it's people. It's a people movement. It's one by one, two by two. You know, the, the, the thing that church has been talking about for years and particularly just, just prior to all of this COVID stuff was how, how do we disciple our people? We're not discipling our people. How, how do we disciple our... Do you know why we're not discipling our people? It's really simple. Because life is so fudging busy that we don't spend time together anymore. 
Because how did Jesus do it? He didn't have a 32-page manual or a 100 or a 10-week course. He spent time with his disciples. You want to be disciples? Spend time with people that are walking with Jesus that you admire. Walk with them. Talk with them. You know, we get it. We live it. We then invest it into others. All our plans are nothing unless they've got real names and real lives attached to them. You know, I think that's why sometimes people stay away from church. Generalisation here, get into trouble area here, is because people can cause trouble. People can be messy, you know. Um, It can expose us to be vulnerable and honest and open with one another, can't it? And then if someone shares their pain with you, what do I do with that? How do I, you know what? I think it's just easier if I stay away. I went to that prayer group once or I went to that Bible study once and they asked me to pray for that person. And then the following week, that same person wanted the same prayer and the following week, that same person, everyone's got an EQR, you know, extra, an EGR, an extra grace required, you know. But sometimes there are just some things that happen in church life that make us feel uncomfortable so people decide to stay away. I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to avoid the cost, avoid the small group. I won't get hurt. I'm not going to share. They don't need to know my stuff. Happy to pray for your illness. You'll never know about mine. Oh, you're not doing well. Sit with me. I'm happy to counsel you, but in my life's perfect. Let's not show our own stuff. Sometimes it's easier to stay away because eventually the circle comes around to where you have to share. <laughs> Sometimes there's a cost. You know, and real intimacy with one another other is in fact that word, into me you see, yeah? Intimacy. You know, Mark 1.17, Jesus says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. You know, I, I want to say this, you and I, we need each other. The church needs each other. When we try to do the Christian life on our own, we fail miserably. I guarantee you that we will fail you know, there's, there's statistics that come out of the US at the moment that suggest this, you'll love it, that 94%, did I remember right? Yep, there's a 94% chance that if in the first two years you get involved with a church family and you get involved, be it a Bible study, friendship group, you get serving, you do that stuff, that in the, after two years, 94% chance that you will still be in that church family. There's a 14% chance that if you do not get involved with a Bible study, friendship group, serving in the house, loving one another, having people over, doing all that sort of stuff, that after two years you will no longer be in that church family. You know what? I hate that stat and I love that stat because that stat is on the money. I have seen it over the 10 years in this church, 11, 10 years at Mooney Valley, 10 years at Inner Life. I have seen that happen over and over and over again. People that come, they love the atmosphere, just leave me, leave me be. Two years later, it'll be, we let them be, all right? Where are they now? I don't know. When did they stop coming? I've got no idea. I've tried to ring them. They changed it. They, they're no longer here. Just the way it is. You can't be in community without community. Yeah? You can't be in unity without each other. You can't be in unity by yourself. You're not God. The Holy Trinity, Father, Son and me. You know, it's not how it works for us. Sometimes there's a cost. There's a price to pay for your new beginning, even in church life. 
We need each other. We need to be encouraged. We need to encourage. We need to love. We need to be loved. Yeah, Sounds like wedding vows. We need to know each other. We need to be known by each other. I might keep these as, you know, sell them for someone getting married one day. That's why the family of Jesus comes together this way. You know, the best thing is to know Jesus, but the second best thing is to know the family of God. You know, some might say, but what about your wife? Well, to be honest, it was because of the family of God that I met my wife. (laughs) Yeah? Best thing is to know Jesus. The second best thing is to know the family of God. You know, Jesus just says, follow me, follow, follow me, and I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. So why don't we stand and I'm going to finish because I'm six minutes over and I'm done. I'm sorry for keeping you for that extra time. But I was robbed a minute and a half, so it's only five minutes over. John was willing to pay the price. Jesus calls his followers to circle up, you know, the time has come so that they know that they have to pay the price. The truth for you and I today is that, yes, we might need to pay the price, but Jesus has paid the ultimate price, yeah? He left the brilliance of splendor of heaven. He lived amongst Romans. He lived in the same type of corrupted culture that you and I lived in. He lived in a culture that would murder his cousin, yet he kept preaching the good news. And then he goes all the way to Jerusalem, even though he had nowhere to lay his head, the Bible says. All the way to the cross, then to the tomb, Jesus paid the price. And that's why, as we step into 2022, that's why as we step into our new beginning, we actually can do that because of the price that he paid. We have a hope (laughs) this year because of the price that was paid by Jesus. Yeah? I mean, that's exciting for me. That means whatever is laid before us, we can step into in knowledge that he is with us. The question I'll leave with us, and I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and ponder the question, <laughs> is am I willing to pay the price? Because if this family of God thing, if this thing is really the most important thing in human history if this is how jesus had set up for the message the gospel to continue to be proclaimed if this really is the most important thing in human history then i need we need to be willing to pay the price to do whatever god wants to fulfill his mission in the fellowship that he's drawn us to yeah i said from the beginning i want to thank everyone that serves in the house Thank you to you all. Thank you to those that are here, to those that are watching. Thank you for those that have been willing to pay the price. Thank you for those that have done so for years. Thank you for those that have only started. Thank you for those that are contemplating. But thank you. It's together, the price that we pay together that builds a family and a family that reaches out to a community in Jesus' name. So this day, our wonderful Saviour paid the price. John the Baptist paid the price. Even St. Valentine paid the price. But will you and I pay a price? Are we willing to pay a price? Father, this day, God, I leave us with that one question as we walk away, maybe for conversation, maybe around the dinner table, maybe amongst friends over coffee. Lord God, what price are we willing to pay for our new beginning? Thank you for the tools that you've given us to sustain the new beginnings that you've led us into. But God, this day, give us the courage and the strength Father, to be willing to pay the price. 
Lord, I thank you for the sacrifices of men and women over many years that have shared the gospel. I thank you for entrepreneurs that share, God, of their struggles and their failures, the price that they've paid to be where they are today. God, may they all be an example to us that, Father, as we walk away from this place, we may walk away more in the image of your son, Jesus. Then when we gather together again next week and the week after next, Father, that people will see, they'll hear, they'll know that we are more like your son, that they'll hear it in our voice and see it in our actions. Father, that even at times when life is tough, God, we know that you're near. Lord, we know that we have the strength to do all that you've called us to do. So, Father, I thank you, God, for what you're calling us into. Because, Father, we can't lead people where we have not gone. So, Father, I look forward to the journey that we take with you. I look forward to the journey of those that come with us, Lord, as we fulfill, God, the new beginnings that you've placed in our lives. And everybody said, Amen. So, hey, have a wonderful day.